Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's Picks for the Massachusetts Republican State Committee. Vote Tuesday, March 5th to keep the mass GOP alive. To see Howie's Picks, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on the banner. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. It is a rainy Wednesday here in Massachusetts, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We've got a lot on the docket. We've got a lot to discuss. Uh, Nikki Haley lost to Trump last night in Michigan. Not a huge shocker, but I was surprised by just sheer amount of points that she lost by. It was 42. 42 points. Uh, Biden won, which is to be expected also, but uncommitted managed to get a lot of the votes you know what i was thinking jared if we could just get uncommitted to team up with none of the above candidates that's the ticket right there i can get behind that ticket none of the above and uncommitted they could they could have this thing in the bag if they play their cards right so biden won uh, but uncommitted thanks in large part to representatives like rashida talib and uh, other far-left Democrats in that area urging voters. And Dearborn has, I, I think I said yesterday, the highest Arab-American uh, population per capita in the United States. And a lot of those voters were trying to send Joe Biden a message that they're not happy with his refusal to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. Forget the fact that Hamas has already said we're not on board for a ceasefire. We would like October 7th to happen again and again and again. Somehow these left-wing radicals think if Joe Biden decides, if he calls for a ceasefire, then that's going to move the needle in that direction. But as this is all unfolding today, we've got the results from Michigan. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Terrence Bradley and his testimony. I was a little... I was a little let down by it. I think it's really hard, though, Jared, to follow Fannie Willis and her dad and Nathan Wade... You know, we, we, it was so spicy. Caroline Levitt described it as a soap opera, and I think she's right on the money. There was so much there. You know, we were talking about tattoo parlors and Grey Goose and caviar and, you know, cruises. And so to follow that up is really difficult. You know, it's like the sequel. It's just not, it's not the same thing. You can't capture that lightning in a bottle twice. Uh, But Terrence Bradley had some moments. I'm not trying to say he didn't have a few moments, and we will get to them. We'll break it down. But also happening today, it's just a huge day in news. Hunter Biden is finally on Capitol Hill. He is finally testifying behind closed doors. That's the rule. No cameras. Uh, We are going to get a transcript of it. And his opening statement, we already have this. It was a mix of him playing the world's smallest violin Once again, relying on his history with addiction as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, you know what? That's not even a proper way to describe it. Because there's no world in which Hunter Biden is even at risk 
of being behind bars or being in an orange jumpsuit. This is the level of privilege he's at. I would say he uses his addiction as a get out of criticism card. Like you can't you can't go near this guy with any sort of critique without him throwing his addiction back in your face. And what do we hear from Axios, who was so happy to parrot Hunter Biden's delusions that he actually, his sobriety is going to be the thing that saves democracy. Because Joe Biden, if if Hunter Biden doesn't stay sober, then I guess the way I'm supposed to follow this is that Joe Biden won't win the election against Donald Trump. And so we are all on pins and needles just hoping Hunter Biden can stay on the wagon. And Miranda Devine was talking about this today, bright and early this morning, and she's kind of the go-to person for all these things. And that's how she summed it up. She's like, okay, so now if Hunter Biden falls off the wagon, then democracy's now at stake. It's re- Saying it out loud is ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous enough for him to stop doing it. I'm going to say I'm uncommitted on Hunter staying on the wagon. I don't know you what. You know what I mean. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will say this. In his opening statement, he says that we've now we've gone from and we've we've really run the gamut here with his excuses about Joe and Joe's involvement in the business. At one point, we were told these were the glory days. These were, you know, this was a long time ago. We were told Biden never discussed business with his son. That was the line. That was the company line, the Biden company line that we were all supposed to follow. But based off the weather-centric phone calls between dad and son at all of these various different uh, business meetings, it seems that that lie, the never-discussing business, is even too outlandish for the Biden clan. You know as a lie that you've reached a new level when the Bidens go, we can't pull that one off. We can't, we can't expect people to suspend their disbelief that much. So they've moved on from that lie. And now we've graduated to Hunter explaining that he did not, this is, this is what the, the opening statement says, he did not involve his father in his businesses. The emails, texts, and firsthand accounts from witnesses would seem to tell a different story. And, and when I say the emails, the texts, and firsthand accounts, you know what AOC and the Democrats call that? No evidence. <laughs> all, all these things, Tony Bobolinsky, 10% for the big guy. All of this stuff falls under the category of no evidence, nothing to see here. There's absolutely no proof. There's no proof. Republicans have been trying their best, but they haven't been able to find any proof. And I'm sitting here going, God, I can think of proof. I can think of, well, can anyone pick up Miranda Devine's laptop from hell? There's a lot of proof in there. If anyone wants to flip through that book that's been out for a couple of years now. And by the way, something I think is very comical. I was watching the TV today. I'm sitting there and I see AOC and AOC loves a camera. You know, she she loves a microphone. I can't fault her for that. But she runs out of there. She runs out of this committee hearing or whatever to talk to the reporters about Hunter, to defend Hunter Biden and to talk about how, you know, this is baseless. I didn't even have to look at the, the closed captioning. I knew what she was saying. You know, this is, they're going after the president's son. They have no evidence. We've heard this all before. But I love seeing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez defend Hunter Biden because think about this woman's brand when she started off in politics. 
It was like, she is woman, hear her roar. She's a revolutionary. She's speaking out for the little people. She's anti-capitalist. She's the socialist hero of the marginalized, of the forgotten, of the minorities. Oh, and she's also, by the way, she's coming to save the womanizing, tax-cheating, gun-toting, money-laundering, privilege-oozing son of the most powerful person in the world. Did I mention he's white? He's a white man, to top it all off. But keep sticking it to the man, AOC. Keep looking out for the little guy. Keep pushing, bruh. Keep pushing, bruh. You have, you see the underdog in a situation and you go, you're not going to tread on him. You are not going to pick on Hunter Biden. Okay, enough is enough. We'll see when we get these transcripts what, what happens. And, you know, it's um, the, the, the overall sense I'm getting from people who know a lot more about these kind of uh, hearings and testimonies than I do is that Hunter's so lawyered up at this point. We know he has Abby Lowell. We know he has really big budget, despite the fact that he at one point went to a judge and said, like, I have no money to pay. He, he was uh, crying poor about paying child support for his daughter that he never mentions, Navy. But he has enough money for all of these lawyers, for this team of lawyers. And he's so lawyered up that a lot of conservatives out there are saying, we're going to get very little out of this. And, and of course, you want to set the expectations pretty low anyway. That's always a safe bet when you're dealing with, when you're a Republican and you're watching politics play out. It's always safe to say, we're probably going to be disappointed. And yes, I think that's most likely true, that we're not going to get a lot out of this. But I'm still saying there's a chance. I'm still saying there's a chance that this dude goes rogue and slips up on something. And here's why. Guys like Hunter Biden, the little guy, as AOC might call him, the underdog, they're a lawyer's worst nightmare. And you know where my mind goes right away? Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo was in such a sensitive dangerous minefield of a situation when all these sexual assault allegations started coming out and you couple that with COVID and he was allegedly getting special treatment for people and he was also having his staffers help him with his book that had nothing to do with their government jobs. There was just a host of different issues. And you know Andrew Cuomo is very powerful from a very powerful family and powerful enough to, to have the Tappan Z change their name which I don't want to set people off on the wrong foot right away today. But he's from a powerful family. His brother's working at CNN. He has access to great lawyers. And while that whole thing was unfolding, Andrew Cuomo would go out to these press conferences and just keep talking and keep defending himself and keep digging. Like, he... I do on occasion say, ciao, Bella. I was watching this going, I never went to law school I've never played a lawyer on TV, but hot damn, there's got to be someone behind the scenes going, shut the hell up. Will you stop talking? But he couldn't help himself because he's like, I'm Andrew Cuomo. I'm a tough guy. I've been doing this a long time. He's like, I can talk my way out of this because he's been able to do that his entire life. He's been able to talk his way out of trouble. And I think Hunter Biden is right along the same lines. There's a dude who thinks my IQ is higher than everybody else's. I'm smarter than everybody. I'm I'm cooler than everybody else. My ego 
is trumps any sort of legal advice that you think you're going to give me. And so he might give us a little uh, Andrew Cuomo-esque snippet here. That's what, fingers crossed, that's what I'm hoping for. Well, he is the hero of his own story. He is, in his mind, the generational story that needs to be told. So, yeah, there's a lot of hubris. There's a lot of spotlight-loving Hunter out there. Yeah, he gets that from his dad. He's the bride at every wedding. He's the baby at every baptism. But you're right. He's the hero. He's the villain. He's the victim. Like, he's everything to himself. And so we can only hope that we're going to get some juicy tidbits from this transcript. Um, The other big story today, and this is a follow-up from a story we've been following since last week, um, and we've been watching it very closely, it's the gruesome murder of 22-year-old nursing student Lakin Riley at the University of Georgia. It will be a week tomorrow since Lakin went out on a morning run. She was savagely murdered. Um, And residents in Athens, Georgia, are voicing their outrage at the mayor there. When we come back, we're going to play this sound from you. This is the sound of the day uh, so far, and I think it's going to be hard to beat. These residents are outraged. They are letting this mayor know, and he is dreadfully underwhelming at this press conference. He seems like he's ill-prepared. He doesn't know what to say. And he's buckling under the pressure. So we're going to play that for you when we get back. We're going to take your calls. 844-500-4242. And you know what, Jared? There's all this back and forth now in Athens about, well, we're not a sanctuary city. We just said that we, you know, we we accept people with all different statuses. But we just meant that we are uh, technically where. And it's like, you know what I would like to know? Did you make it? Were you helpful towards ICE? Because they're all trying to say, like, well, technically speaking, It's illegal to be a sanctuary city in Georgia. So we weren't a sanctuary city. We just, but to me, it seems like they were winking at illegal aliens and saying, we're not going to, and you see this a lot where places go, we're technically not a sanctuary city, but we're not going to help law enforcement if they try to come in and deport someone. And and I'll explain more of that when we come back. But that's my thinking when it comes to Athens. Uh, The Nasa Beach Inn just opened reservations for winter getaways. Jared, you stayed at the Nasa Beach Inn. You love it there. Cape on the off-season, hard to beat. There's restaurants. There's less crowds. But really, when we talk about the Nasa Beach Inn, we got to focus on that view and on the beauty of that beach. Yeah, today uh, up here, it's not really the best beach day, but it would be a great day to be at the Nasa Beach Inn because you could be cozy in your room. Every room has a fireplace and a nice big picture window, so no matter which room you're in, you can look out on the ocean. You can see the beach. If you want to... Be brave and venture outside. You can go to the beach. You're steps away from the beach. If it's too cold outside, they have fire pits that can warm you up. My wife and I went down there. We loved. We sat by the fire pit. We had our morning coffee and watched the sunrise. It's tranquil. It is fantastic. It's a great getaway. There's. I know February vacation just ended, but April vacation is coming up. So you definitely want to check out the Nauset Beach Inn because it is a great getaway that's very close. Yes, indeed. And the views are incredible. Like Jared said, the fire pits are open and perfect this time of year. And right now you can stay there for under $200 this winter. So don't delay. These rooms go fast. Go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com. And we will be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. 
Welcome back. Today's poll question is brought to you by Perfect Smiles. Don't be fooled by imposters with similar names. If you're unhappy with your smile, you need to visit Dr. Bruce Houghton in Oshawa. And I just want to say, even if you are happy with your smile and you just want a teeth cleaning, they are awesome and they can help you with that as well. So call one 844 Smile or visit perfectsmiles.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is the House GOP has subpoenaed the Biden-Her transcript. Will they get it? No. The Republican subpoenaing things, is that the right way to put it? Subpoenaing things is a fruitless endeavor. And Diego's. <laughs> Never ends up, no, no, I, I don't think they will get it. Especially now that we know... The fact that Biden came out and was like, how dare they ask me about and was protesting a little too much. We're we're getting sources have said, and this is a story I actually read, I believe it was on NBC of all places, that her did not bring up Bo Biden or his death, that Joe brought it up, believe it or not. And so that makes me think we're never going to get these transcripts. And just because they they issued a subpoena, that means nothing to Democrats. Democrats can do whatever they want. And that's that's a question I've often asked Howie, like, well, what happens next? I'll say, well, if, if he doesn't comply with the subpoena, what happens? And usually the answer is a whole lot of nothing. Now, conversely, if you're talking about Peter Navarro, if you're talking about someone defying a subpoena who's a Republican, then big things happen. You might end up in, in Hinckley's jail cell. You might end up cuffed at the airport. But for Democrats, they can they can do whatever they want. And especially because Joe Biden's president, I don't think we're going to see this transcript. I love to see it. Hashtag release the transcript. But I don't think it's in the cards. Eighty five percent of the audience is in agreement with you that, yeah, we will never see this. All right. So we need you know, Jared, let's give people a little taste of what's coming up. This was pretty incredible, pretty pathetic. This is Kelly Gertz. He's the Athens Clark County mayor. Uh, He held a press conference about the murder of Lake and Riley. And he was shouted down by, you know, we have here in the Kutchie protesters, but I would just say residents, people who are sick of this. They're sick of sanctuary cities and these sanctuary policies that are leading to these avoidable murders. Uh, Can I have cut 10, please, Jared? This term sanctuary city doesn't have a sole legal or procedural definition. You can look in Georgia statute and you can find a clear definition for a unified government. You can look in contractual language and you can find out exactly what it means to be an SEC institution. Sanctuary City doesn't track with either of those. And so that term means different things to different people depending on the context of the discussion. Many of the elements, many of the elements, we are here to listen. You're a liar. We are here to listen. There will be time for questions. You know what I'm noticing, Jared, is whenever you have these liberals who when when things are when they're trying to explain why they want to do something, why they want to implement something, they have all the answers. But when things backfire, suddenly it's like, well, it's really complicated in the context of it. And there's no way you could. This is reminding me of supply chain crisis, inflation. There's no way covid. There's no way our little puny brains could understand what's going on here. And it's like use all the fancy political speak you want, Gertz. These people know what's going down. And they're ticked off. 
And so you can tell them, like, well, technically speaking, if you look up the statutes, uh, if you look up and you go to the Gov website, no, you're not getting out of it like that, unfortunately for you. We got more of those cuts when we come back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Whoa, breaking news. Mitch McConnell resigning as GOP leader in November, but does that mean he's resigning for good or just as the leader of the Am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? Knowing, knowing the way these old... He's going to do a, probably pull a Pelosi retirement type thing. What? Why? But why, Jared? Why do that? Why not go out and just say, it's I'm hanging it up, everybody. And you know what this makes me think of, by the way? Because you're right, Jared. That's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to say, I'm stepping down as my leadership position. My leadership position. But I'm going to stay as the Republican senator. And this brings me to something I didn't plan on talking about just yet. But why not? Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler has an interview in the New York uh, magazine, what's it called, Intelligencer or something, Intelligencer section of that magazine that talks about how if he can, he's going to stay in politics in his possession as a congressman from New York for 10 more years. Well, to be fair, it's hard to move the guy. Now, 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 now. Uh, Here's my thing, though. It's like, don't didn't this used to be a conversation at one point about passing the torch, passing the baton? Like we need young people. And Jerry Nadler, and it's not just Democrats. I always make this point. Look, look at we're talking about Mitch McConnell right now. We also have Chuck Grassley, who, to be fair, seems a lot sharper than the the senators and Congress people in their 70s, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, I'm just confused why it's like the one sector in our society where people are working until they're, what was DiFi? DiFi died. I think she was 95. No. Was she really? DiFi died, like, uh, and she had never even enjoyed retirement. I'm sorry, she was 90. 90 years old. That's not normal. In any other job, Jared, I want you to picture this. You're at a restaurant, and a waitress comes over, and she's 90 years old. You would say, what kind of place is this? Surely this can't be the most efficient person to do this job. So why when it comes to people who are deciding like the budgets and and we have all these looming shutdowns and are we going to send billions of dollars to Ukraine and, and are we going to secure the border and all of these pretty important decisions, as much as I hate to admit that these people have a lot of power, they do. Why are we leaving it up to people who are in their 70s and 80s? And I'm not ageist. I swear I'm not. I swear. I've got a lot of friends who are old people. But this is insane. There's no reason why Jerry Nadler needs to be in politics for 10 more years. He is 76 years old. So he wants to be in there till he's 86 years old. There's just... Think of a job, Jared, where let's say you work. Give me give me a run of the mill. Give me a run of the mill job that, you know, you can. A police officer. You get pulled over. 86 years old. Hey there. 
Can I see your license and registration? That would be insane. But we're acting like it's not insane. I, I saw this great, uh, I think it was the Babylon Bay. It was a picture of this old man, and it was like his family was surrounding him. They had pamphlets, and it said, it said, family decides that because their dad has turned 80, that it's seriously time for him to consider running for Senate. The conversations used to be, hey, maybe it's time that you enter some sort of retirement home. And now it's like, hey, maybe it's time you run for president. This is where we're at. I didn't plan on going on that tangent, obviously. But uh, Mitch McConnell stepping down as Senate GOP leader. I'm sure he's going to stay in the Senate. He just doesn't want to be the main guy. Probably has to do with a little bit, at least, his feud with Donald Trump. I don't think those two see eye to eye on much. Okay, now. Oh, wait, actually. Since, since I brought it up and I want to check it off my list, this was the piece on Jerry Nadler from New York Magazine. The exact longevity is just what Congressman Jerry Nadler envisions for himself. The 76-year-old says he can, he can quite possibly see himself in office for another 10 years. I'm absolutely running again, he says. Now I'm just going to read you a couple parts from it. The idea of him staying on the job until 86 would be extraordinarily unusual in most professions, but less so in Congress. Why is that? Where Chuck Grassley, you know what I, you know what I think it probably is, is that, and I got to be careful here. Like I said, I didn't plan on talking about this, so I could get myself in trouble. I think that the mental health of people in politics, out of all the professions, probably needs the most work because otherwise, I think in most professions, like you build some sort of life where you think, okay, well, now I've done what I can do and I'll go home. These people, they clearly don't have that. If it's the one sector where everyone's like, I'm going to be 95 years old. So it says the idea of him staying on the job until 86 would be extraordinarily unusual in most professions, but less so in Congress, where Chuck Grassley remains the senior senator from Iowa at 90. Mitch McConnell serves as Senate minority leader. No longer, but until, you know until he decides, and until he's actually out, he's still in the Senate uh, at 82. In the House, 83-year-old former Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And then it also talks about Jim Clyburn, who's 83. Wouldn't expect that from Jim Clyburn. He does not look 83, to give him a compliment. Um, and Steny Hoyer. God forbid, this is what Nadler says. He goes, God forbid he's president. You couldn't guess who he's talking about, Donald Trump. God forbid he's president. Then we have to safeguard the republic. This is the greatest threat to democracy since 1860. That actually brings me to a different point. So Nadler says the greatest threat to democracy is Trump being president. Hunter Biden says the greatest threat to democracy is him falling off the wagon. And then I have Paul Krugman telling me that the greatest threat to democracy is white rural rage. I just don't know which one I should be focused on. Ooh, bad week to be democracy. Democracy's got a lot of enemies looking Watch to bring it down. Watch your back, democracy. <laughs> it says, uh, this is uh, Paul Krugman from the New York Times. Let me just give you the, the real important part of this article. Although I'm sure a lot of you are going to sign into your New York Times accounts and check it out yourself. Maybe that loss of dignity. He's trying to understand people from white people from rural areas it's definitely hard for paul krugman to wrap his head around that i don't think he i don't think it comes easy to him but he's trying his best and this is what he ends up coming up with 
He's talking about the loss of dignity that they're experiencing and how their rage is so misdirected. He said, why it's pretty clear that this November, a majority of rural white Americans will again vote against Joe Biden, who as president has been trying to bring jobs to their communities. And for Donald Trump, they'll vote for Donald Trump, a huckster from Queens, who offers little other than validation for their resentment. So here we have Krugman telling us the greatest threat to democracy is white rural rage. I hate that word. White. It's the rural juror. White rural rage. Then we have Hunter Biden saying the greatest threat to democracy is if I don't stay sober. And we have Jerry Nadler telling us that the greatest threat to democracy is Donald Trump. And then you have people who tell you that it's like climate change or, you know, it's uh, domestic terrorism. It's whatever they think that day. But I just think we all need to get if I was in charge of the Democrat Party, I would say we all need to get on the message here. Let's have what is the because not everything can be the greatest threat, Jared. One of these threats has to outdo the others, you know, has to come out on top. I just don't know which one it's going to be. So that's that's a little update for you. Let's get back, though, to Kelly Gertz, the athens Clark County mayor, holds his press conference today. I think he had to know that he was going into an, a very, very contentious environment here. Obviously, the residents there are disgusted, outraged over what happened to Lake and Riley. She was murdered, allegedly, by an... She was murdered, but I'm just saying allegedly for the, the person here so we don't get ourselves in trouble by an illegal alien, and the the following details that we've received about the disfigurement of her skull. It's just a horrible story. And Kelly Gertz is basically trying to play Mr. Smart Guy with the residents there who have had enough of his BS and try to explain his way out of the policies, Jared, that he used to be very proud of. This is the crazy thing about being a Democrat. You start off with these policies, you're so proud of them, you know, your virtue signaling, you think they're so great. And then you do an Eric Adams. And over time, you not only stop claiming these policies as your own, but you start trying to paint a picture as though it's not what it seems. You know, these policies, they're not what you think they are. These policies that I was once banging my drum about, I don't really know them. I'm not familiar. So this is Kelly Gertz trying to explain a way his uh, horrible, horrible job. This is cut 12, please. But this question, again, in the purview of the elected sheriff, honors detainers when issued by a federal judge or federal magistrate. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. I would say they were pretty connected in this case. Would you not? The, oh, I almost, I almost Nancy Mace this situation. But we keep it classy here at the Grace Curly Show. The cojones to go out at a press conference when you've got this young woman but her skull disfigured in this horrible murder that was very avoidable. And to look people in the eyes and say, well, the crime rate data doesn't suggest that we should be conflating illegal immigration with violent crime. Well, don't you think that's a little inappropriate right now? When you've got this woman who hasn't even been dead a week because somebody was in this country illegally and had a a rap sheet and wasn't deported. And this is the time you find it's appropriate to bring out your statistics, which, by the way, I call into question 
100%. But even if you have the, the data to back up what you're saying, is this really the time to do it? Is this really the time to be the data guy? Hey, um, I have a graph here that shows I'm actually not that bad at my job. I don't think anybody's receptive to this information right now. And you can tell they're not, because take a listen to what happens next. Um, this is cut 13. Because oftentimes folks notice through the lens of a college-centered community, I've also included some information indicating where we are relative to those other SEC communities throughout the nation and the region. You'll note that we tend to be toward the middle or the bottom of the pack. Overall, a place like Baton Rouge has about twice the crime rate, and a place like Auburn or College Station uh, is about one and a half times less. So I encourage you to look at this information. Again, the advice that I would give And you could argue, you could say there's nothing this guy can come out and say that's going to make his situation any better. But the advice I would give if I was his PR person or his assistant would be just go out there, give out whatever information you have, and act as though Lake and Riley's family is in the audience of people. Because you wouldn't say that to Lake and Riley's family, Jared. You wouldn't say, well... Next door, next the town over has worse crime than we do because that does them no good. And that's not what they want to hear. And it's, it's cruel, it's insensitive, and it's dumb to say that to people. So why don't you just act like you're talking to them and have that level of sensitivity to what you're saying? Because what he seems like is he's passing the buck. Like, I don't want to hear, and they're two totally different things, but it kind of reminds me of, when Biden's advisors go on Fox and they go on Newsmax and they say, well, inflation in Europe is way worse. I don't care. Your job, that's not your job, is to worry about inflation in Europe. Tell me what's going on here. That's what I care about. I don't use it as an excuse. It's When you come home from school and you go, well, I know I did bad on my math test, but everybody really did bad. Everybody stunk. They had to use a curve to grade it. What would my mom say to me? I don't care how everyone else did. I care about how you did. So it's like the mayor of your town getting up and saying, well, the town next door, we have a lower crime rate. That's the best you can do? Who gave you this advice to come out and say this? Because this is a disaster. Let's also take uh, let's also take cut 12, Jared. Or I'm sorry, cut 11. Many of the aspects that are ascribed to sanctuary cities we know what sanctuary are things means. that are disallowed by Georgia law. And we contribute a document every year to the Georgia Department of Audits indicating that we do not correspond to these definitions under state law. Yes, you do. And no policies have been adopted Please by the mayor and lying. commission that have created sanctuary city status in Sir. Athens. You need to resign. One protocol resign. that sometimes arises. Resign. Resign now. Resign. You will one protocol, this to happen, sir. One protocol that sometimes arises is the approach that sheriff's offices and jails take to water term detainers. Yeah, this is what I have. And this is from an Atlanta news channel. It says the current policy stipulates that if a detainer is issued but is not accompanied by a federal warrant, 
or court order signed by a federal magistrate or federal judge. The it shall not be held solely on the ICE detainer or the person shall not be held solely on the ICE detainer. And with a warrant, they shall be released after 48 hours if federal agents don't pick them up. So I kind of go back to if you have to explain this much about how you really just meant this and you're not technically a sanctuary city and the policies. It's like, well, I'm getting the vibe that you're you're trying to be. You're trying even if the state of Georgia wasn't fully allowing it, you were making your best effort. And by the way, the state of Georgia is also getting a lot of criticism for being essentially a sanctuary state. We'll talk about that when we come back. But they're the state of Georgia and Governor Brian Kemp, they're not getting out of this without their fair share of criticism as well. Recently, a Grace Curley show listener, Candace, called in and she was telling us how much she loved the thunderstorms. And it makes sense why. These thunderstorms can eliminate odors. That's what they do. They don't try to cover up odors. They're not big and bulky and take up a lot of space and make a lot of noise. They're small, they're quiet, but they're effective. And Candace called in because she had had her furnace serviced, and it was a little bit of an after smell, some oily kind of strong smell. And she plugged in her thunderstorms, she turned them up, and poof, the smell was gone. It really does work that quickly, and it's that effective. So go to EdenPureDeals.com, check out the three-pack special. It's the perfect size, doesn't take up any floor space, and it comes in handy. Just ask Candace. With a three-pack special, you can use one in your kitchen, your office, even your car. So go to EdenPureDeals.com, use code GRACE3. That's EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE, and the number three. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. By the way, we have people texting in saying that we don't want McConnell to just vacate his seat because then a Democrat would come in. I get that. I do. I understand. Um, but I guess I just am hoping that. This is the sign that next time around, maybe he'll pass the torch to a Republican who can run for his seat and we can all move on from Mitch McConnell. And no disrespect, no disrespect to to Mitch. You know, what do I always say? What, What do I always have to add in before I lose my Republican card? He did us a great service with the Supreme Court, keeping Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court. Well done, sir. And I, I mean that sincerely. But all I'm saying is that I would be happy if eventually this is a sign that this is the last time he's going to run as far as being a senator. Just just my two cents. 844-500-4242. What, Jerry? Go ahead. You you well, have something he, snarky to say. No, I, I don't actually. His his uh, He was elected to his term in 2020. So even if he steps down, he's still got two more years on the current term. Yes, so, yes. Um, but maybe 2026, it, who knows? Yeah, no, he'll know. Senator James Comer sounds pretty good. It does. To me. It does sound good. Um, when we come back, we are going to take your calls on the mayor, uh, Mayor Gertz from Athens, Clark County. We also got a story out of Boston involving an illegal alien. 
and more Hunter. So don't go anywhere.